Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I wonder what happens for the average casino employee when uh, your boss, like the owner of the whole place, just walks through. Because I don't think with a lot of corporate joints around town, you're like, you're worried about, you know, the, the one of the head honchos in charge of like 11 casinos to be just walking through. But like, we looked up a couple minutes ago. We're at the D. It's Bar Canada. And uh, someone waved at you. And I was like, oh, that's Derek Stevens. Yeah. But that's just the way it is. He, he's he a man over, of the people. Just, yeah, just walked over to the book and just, he, le- he left. He's like, yeah, see you later. Well, he definitely just, I mean, he's all around his properties all the time because he's, you know, a very hands-on type owner. And I think he's somebody that likes to kind of explore, uh, you know, just what's going on on the floor, what what they can do, what the customers are doing, if they're having fun, and, um, you know, what can be done better. And you don't really know that if you're not actually standing out there. Uh, and I know uh, actually a friend of ours that, that runs, you know, Circus Sportsbooks, I saw doing the same thing the other day. I was, I was kind of walking around. He was just in the back of the room kind of looking over, seeing seeing everybody's having a good time. Not Nobody really, you know, knew who he was. He was just like... You know, I want to make sure that the experience is good for people, so I'm going to stand back here and, and check it out, which is, uh, you know, I, I think that comes from the top down over here. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. It's been crazy. Like, this is full madness when it comes to the NCAA tournament. We just went to the half with UCLA and one of the – Upset darlings, Abilene Christian, who knocked Texas out of the tournament. Uh, 32-22? Is that the last count you had? It's a 10-point game. I don't know if yeah. that's the exact number, but yeah. it's definitely a 10-point lead for UCLA. 31-21, the, my bad. 31-21, UCLA got up 24-12. to uh, Abilene Christian with a little run. Finals in. Uh, Iowa got crushed today, 95-80 by Oregon. Oregon, a massive collection of transfers and JUCOs. Peaking at the right time. Like, I thought this team was going to be really good. And like it, they do every year? Yep. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma, Lon Kruger's Oklahoma team lost by 16. It was closer than that. Got off to a great start. But Gonzaga is just, it's, man, we'll get into the Zags a little bit uh, more in a bit. But they're freaking really good. We're about five minutes away from another Cinderella team in Ohio, the 13th seed. They knocked out Virginia. Creighton is up next. And then the Adams Wolverines, Michigan. We'll try to fend off a very talented LSU team. Very talented. Watford's damn good. Yeah, uh, definitely a little worried about this game today. Uh, nervous, especially you know, shorthanded Michigan coming into this one. So uh, we will see how that game plays out. I, I think the number's a little big, actually, uh, without livers. Uh, it seems like it's a little bit too high, but um, and that's four and a half. I thought it'd be closer to you know three. Um, that is pretty. When you say that, that is pretty crazy, and it says a lot about this year that there were two legit number one seeds, and the rest you're like, I don't know. And then obviously Livers being out uh, makes a couple of points difference. But we've had we've had a lot of these matchups in the second round where you've got a double digit team, you know, going against a, a three or a four, and you know the they're getting like five points. They're getting four and a half points. Like where are all the points? Right, yeah. That's how close college basketball is, and especially this season. Ohio State's out, so Michigan's trying to carry the reputation of the Big Ten. It's been rough for the Big Ten. Illinois got bumped by uh, Loyola Chicago. Ohio State's out. I know you dislike Ohio State, but come on. E.J. Liddell and what he had to go through over the weekend with death threats on social media. It's preposterous. It's completely preposterous. And it's not not even just death threats. Like the 
the anger and the the you know, some of them are death threats, which of course is is awful and is truly haunting. But some of it is just you know attacks and personal attacks and things on his family and it's just it's unbelievable. The guy missed a free throw. Like you know, settle down. It's it's nuts that I mean we understand people are that passionate and um, and will say things, but to actually say it directly where. You know, people are jumping in his DMs and, and DMing him stuff on Instagram and on Twitter, and uh, just awful. The police I know are looking into it now, and you know, I'm sure some people will say, "Oh, it's you know, nobody's ever going to do anything." They're just saying they are on you know on social media. I, I don't care. Some, nobody should have to live with that. Like it's it's ridiculous. How do you know no one's going to do anything? Always, that's exactly true. There's too. always a first time, and hell, we had a we had some gambling whack job who was sending those kind of messages to you know pro athletes and. Now he's uh, he's going to the the penitentiary, so it's not all make believe. You scare no. the crap out of people when no. when you do that. Uh, NBA Lamelo, is this official? Is the wrist busted? Is he out for the year? He what is. a nightmare! Your brother, how's he doing? You checked in? He won't answer my text. It's no, weird. It's weird. That happens. <laughs> I'm sliding in his DMs for another reason. He's not answering. Um, that sucks because that was one of the great things about the NBA is his emergence. Now at the top of the game, oh boy. LeBron James ankle. This is this is dicey here yeah. for the Lakers. The yeah. uh, now the fortunate thing is that there's technically ten slots in the NBA playoffs in each conference, right? Because there's plans. Now you don't want the Lakers slipping all the way <laughs> no. down there, but if LeBron's out for a long period of time, AD's not back. What if they go under 500? I think I was looking on Sunday in the gap between where the Lakers were. I think it was the three hole and the ten was like eight and a half games. Oh boy. That's not that's not impossible. No, it's not. I mean it's not it's it sounds silly to say that it could happen, but it could happen. It's not completely crazy and, and the, the gap's not that big. What if it's a month, month and a half for LeBron? I mean, they could be in that spot in that spot. Where you know they are, they're fighting for their lives, and it sounds like they're not really going to make a deadline deal. Uh, it sounds like maybe they might be more interested in the the buyout market and waiting to see who gets bought out after the deadline, and maybe adding players that way. But you know, without either one of those guys, that is not a good team. Could they lose, you know, eight, nine, ten games in a row? Sure, it's possible. It's not certain, but it's, it's a possibility that that could happen. And then they're just in a really bad position going forward from there. That that's not a good spot for the Lakers to be in when you have so much invested in two guys and they both miss an extended period of time. Straight up record, the Lakers are in the three-hole, but the Suns are leading the division. So the Lakers are 28-15. and 15. You go down to teams like the Pelicans and the Grizz. Pelicans, for example, are, uh, I think they're the 11. They're just on the outside looking in. And it's a nine-and-a-half game gap. But, I mean, on, on the heels of the Lakers, everyone's right there. That could disappear. Clippers, Nuggets, Blazers, Spurs are five games under, or check that, five games over 500. So they could disappear pretty rapidly. Yeah, that, that's that's not a that's not insurmountable for sure. I mean, it's it's comfortable for now if those guys were playing, but not playing, that kind of lead can can go away very quickly. Now, the fortunate thing is, a lot of those teams behind them are going to be playing each other, so it's not like they could like everybody can make up a game every single day, but. You know, th- this this could this could go in a wrong direction very quickly for the Lakers. So th- they need to hope that you know AD is back sooner than later, and that LeBron's injury is on the lower end of the timetable. Uh, top story at three o'clock. 
And we will get back to Kevin Kruger being named the uh, head coach of UNLV basketball. Yesterday had his press conference this morning. We'll play some of the intro press conference in the 5 o'clock hour. And by the way, the first interview you, you will hear on radio with Kevin Kruger will be tomorrow right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 7.30 in the morning on the press box. So 7.30, must listen radio, 7.30 tomorrow morning, press box with uh, Bischoff and Ed, and they'll have the first radio conversation with Kevin Kruger. Very cool stuff. Uh, Kevin, early riser. I think you have to be. If I, if I, think, I, was... I think everyone in your world, which is the sleep from 5A to 10A world, that you're, you're not the norm. No, I would have to I would have to say, like, I'll do my first interview at noon. And I'm, <laughs> maybe I'll wake up for that. Might be the case. Yeah. Might be the case. So, yeah, that's tomorrow morning, 730 on the press box. All right, who's the Raiders center? <laughs> I mean, they're paying Andre James like he's the center. So what happened over the weekend? Nick, Nick Martin, before the weekend, gets a nice deal. He was a guy who was uh, a rock in terms of playing consistently with the Texans. Was graded. You know, I think last year PFF had him a, a 56. Um that was down a little bit from the prior years. He's been solid, not spectacular. So what's going on here? So Andre James is a year away from restricted free agency, and they, he looked like a guy that the Raiders would have in this year and kind of see how he did and, you know, probably play quite a bit at center and then, you know, see where they are when, when they have to make a decision on him next year. But instead they have announced a pretty big contract for Andre James, a contract that would tell you he's probably going to be their starter and that he will be the one uh, going forward uh, to, you know, to be the center for the Raiders. And, and what this would tell me is that there, there is concern with the Raiders that he's going to be very good. And, and that sounds weird. <laughs> I know. It like, it there's weird. a concern. Uh, but, but essentially it says that you know, they don't want him to play this year and then enter restricted free agency at the end of the season and maybe get a massive payday if he has a great season. Like that would be the that would be the concern, and that's why you lock him up now instead of waiting a year. Uh, but that seems like a, I, I don't know. It seemed it, it's it was a surprising move to me that you would not you know allow allow him to play this year on that contract. But it tells me that they think it's going to cost a lot more if they wait a year. Six mil guaranteed, three year contract worth twelve and a half. So James cashing in. I saw more than a few notes from the weekend about Rodney Hudson that. Not only was it a coup, if you're going to get rid of Hudson and get rid of his salary, uh, it's a coup to get something for him. But I think the other thing in that deal, getting a third-round pick and a fifth, right, third and a fifth, from the Cardinals was also the preventative nature of the deal. If they had cut Rodney Hudson, it sounds like he was headed to Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. So up yours. You're You're not getting him. Make sure you don't you don't let him go to a rival who's going to make them even better. Have you heard anything between the Raiders and the Chiefs? Like, would the Chiefs have called? Oh, we'll top the offer, and then what would the Raiders do? Like, no, no, no. You can't have them. You can no. you can better the offer. You're not well. First round pick. Okay. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. But, but no, you're, you're, we're not keeping them in the division. Screw off. You think even for a first? I wonder if they I think they probably would have said yes. For I a first, think yes. if you were going to do that, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Definitely, there is. I mean, there's strategy involved in all this stuff, right? Where uh, maybe you would take a slightly lesser offer to make sure that he doesn't go to the Chiefs. Maybe you would uh, not cut him to make sure that he doesn't go to the Chiefs. I think all those things make sense. Like, that is an area of big concern for the Chiefs. And if you're going to help them fill it with a very good player, uh, that's not good for your future. So, 
trading him, even if if it's for lesser value, uh, and to keep away from a division rival, seems like a pretty wise move for the Raiders. We got to get Adam's reaction. Adam is uh, his number one beat is the Raiders. I think uh, he's on hockey. He's on MMA too, but. We got to get Adam's take on what's happened so far overall for the Raiders because there's a lot of people outside the market who are like, "What are the Raiders doing? This whole approach to the off season has been weird." Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova. Praise be the Field and Company, live at Bar Canada, inside the D. I like that. Lisa Byington on the call. Very excited. I always feel like Lisa tries to keep it muted and low so that her voice doesn't go up. Like, who cares? Freaking scream. Yeah. Let it go. But I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into this women breaking through as play-by-play people. She's the first one to do NCAA games on TV, so I get to watch a lot of her doing Big Ten football and basketball. So yeah, she's used good. To it. Used to it. Definitely good. I, I, by the way, I don't. There's like so few good play-by-play people. I think the the criticizing of her is actually par for the course. Of there's just so many bad ones. Do you think like, there are bad ones in the tournament? I think they're all pretty solid. They're pretty good. I just mean out there in general. Like there's just a lot of oh, bad play by play voices. Very harsh, very critical. Well, I, I just I like the equality of you can criticize a female broadcaster now too. Can you? That's what if I want. You, if you preface it the way you just did, yeah, I'm saying that's what that's what I want. But if that got clipped incorrectly, sure. And uh, you know, one of the radio hating sites out there was like, "Oh, this guy's killing her." Yeah. Like I, uh, 30 seconds before, I said there are a lot of bad play by play people. So. Yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot of good ones, too. I enjoyed Spiro Didis. He does good. Trying to uh, hype up New Jersey around the two Rutgers games, but it didn't work, Spiro. Didn't, Jer- didn't, didn't bring him across the finish line. He's from Paramus. New Jersey is just where New Yorkers put their trash, right? Uh, yes, according to the uh, head of the Catholic League back in, like, 2006. Yes. You still remember that drop, huh? Of course. Yeah. New Jersey's just where New Yorkers put their trash. <laughs> Shut up. Was that guy Donahue? Is that his name? Well, that's remember. good memory. Yeah. Not Phil, but there was another Donahue. We'll yeah. have to look that up. We'll have yeah. to find that. That's a, I know uh, the Vast Sound crew has that bite somewhere. Well, he's my hero. He's you know, trashing New Jersey constantly. Uh, a lot of people are trashing the Raiders, Adam. Uh, they do, are. Do you read, uh, I don't know if you read Pete King every week with his, his lengthy story column that he does. I'll, I'll hit this a couple times during the show. Um, he referenced Todd McShay saying, I, uh, quote, I like John. He's talking about Gruden. I like John. John is a great coach, but he's got personnel ADD. He's always plugging in guys and moving guys around. Hmm. How do you react to that? I mean, I, I isn't that what most teams do? It seems it's not like just it, him. It seems like this offseason was mostly about change and trying to get bargains in and trying to, you know, cut costs at positions where you're like, eh, you know, we could probably get the, you know, 80% of the production for like 20% of the money. 
that seems like a good idea to try to do something like that. Like, I, I, I yeah, I think it's kind of weird um, that you would put, make that point just about the Raiders when a lot of teams do that. The weird thing is, it's not like they dumped any of their okay. The offensive line. If he's talking about the offensive line. I guess, but they also kept them together for years and years, and they finally made a decision, hey, this isn't getting us where we need to get, so let's spread the money around more. And I also believe they have supreme confidence in Tom Cable, just yeah. like last year. Like, it wasn't it wasn't great. They were 24th, but they also could have been 32nd with all the injuries. Sure. They could have been the, you know, the worst line in all of football. I, I would actually argue on defense, I, I actually I think they're kind of too loyal. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, in some regard, I, th- I think offense too. I mean, I, I think staying with that line, as you said, and you know, the, the problem that you often have with older guys is that they are going to get injured. That that does happen uh, on occasion. So uh, to stick out with the line for that long says that they probably aren't. You know, they don't have football ad personnel add as the as the quote was. I mean, they're Adam. The defensive backfield. Joiner's gone. Harris is gone. Didn't it feel like there was going to be like a reshuffling of the deck, well, like a complete reshuffling? Definitely. Well, yes and no. I mean, I mean Arnett, th- Arnett and Mullen were going to be around. Right. They're not going to get rid of Amik Robertson, right? But but that doesn't mean that like two of the three have to be entrenched at starting positions. And we figured Abram was going to be around because that's kind and, of and Abram the Gus Bradley you know philosophy is that he might be able to to make him a uh, a pretty solid box safety as in, as opposed to more of a free safety kind of, you know, watering the field. So uh, he can be effective in that role. Perhaps that that hire could help uh, kind of salvage Jonathan Abram after a couple of seasons. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I thought they'd be there, but I thought they would add definitely depth, at least one corner and one, you know, free safety type player uh, that would, you know, kind of alter their defensive plans. But we know that they really believe in Mullen, and they think Arnett just was kind of struggling last year with injuries, not being able to be on the field and the weird adjustment to the NFL. So they still believe in him, too. Uh, it was that safety where I thought they'd, they'd definitely bring in a potential starter. So who's coming? I mean, a co- I think a couple of their targets were re-signed as franchise players, which they didn't expect. Uh, a couple other guys went for more than they thought would. So you think Marcus Williams with the Saints would have gotten the lion's share or more of the money, even a higher salary, of what they gave to Ngakwe? Like if they hadn't gotten Ngakwe, or I'm sorry, if they'd gotten Williams, no Ngakwe. Probably. I think they still could have maybe figured out a way to work both. But, but I then there's no Drake. Then there's no Kenyon sure. Drake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, Kenyon Drake's a luxury. It, it is a luxury, but when you don't have a free safety, is it a luxury? <laughs> yes, it's still a luxury. It's a luxury that, it's, it's a luxury that you know, you're buying a Lamborghini when you make $100,000 you know, $100, a year, um, you know, I guess, would be the kind of the analogy of just like overspending. Like you can afford it, but you're also going to have to, you know, you're also going to have to maybe cut costs in, you know, food every month and you know other expenditures i'm making some weird analogies yeah, to that. I know the last one went nowhere we were talking about the burning a bridge so you may want to get like out of that the, you may want to get out of this one early. i still like that one no I, i'm standing by i'm standing by both of them and there goes a dory jackson <laughs> yeah giants just signed him so giants signed a dory jackson and uh, over the weekend they they grabbed galladay which is funny because last week some of the media was kind of echoing the sentiment that the uh the Patricia, Belichick, you know, Joe Judge, Brian Flores group there. Patricia's out of work, but, you know, the Patricia maybe badmouth Galladay and that the Pats, the Dolphins, and the Giants were all out on Kenny Galladay. But as it turned out, the Giants could not resist temptation. Yeah. Uh, they, they have been spending some money lately for sure. Um, by the way, I do love 
Like I, I I've talked about it before that I'm I'm pretty Twitter obsessed. Like I can't get off Twitter ever. And now we have here at the Circa, we have actually Twitter kind of updating on the wall behind I us. I was like, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, is there a game back there? No, a game got uh, game just got canceled in the NHL for tonight. Oh no! But it wasn't. I was like, is that is that the Golden Knights? No. Uh, Canadians and Oilers postponed for tonight. Looks like COVID protocols. So, uh, which by the way, what a freaking heartbreaker! I know one of the guys you wanted considered for the UNLV job is Mike Rhodes. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, they don't even get to play. BCU gets dumped from the tournament. What a freaking Terrible. nightmare! And you know, clearly, uh, Oregon was well rested because they got they got to skip through the round and uh, dominate today. They're ready, ninety five eighty over so I don't, Iowa. I don't know how that's fair to even Iowa, right? I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it, I, I don't know what the you know if it would have gone the other way. If Oregon would have struggled today, it would have been like, oh, they didn't get to play and get sharp in the first game. I know we could we can interpret it either way depending on the outcome there. But yeah, that's a that's just a brutal break, and it's a brutal break for. The teams that were on standby, too, right? I mean, somebody could have jumped in there. Somebody could have got to play, and they didn't because the test didn't come back until afterwards, and uh, then it just became such an ugly situation for VCU. That's that's terrible. George Rury's on the way from PFF.com. That's Pro Football Focus. We'll get his take on Kenny Galladay and also what the Raiders have done to this point, including a uh, pretty big deal for a guy who's been a little-known backup for a while now in Andre James. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Abilene Christian getting just mauled by UCLA. It's 41-22. 16 minutes left in the game, so the Bruins look like they're on their way. To the Sweet 16. I've got 9 of 10 so far. I'm lying. I'm not even close. Who would have 9 of 10 right now in the Sweet 16? Uh, nobody. Right? I, I know my... Uh, it's an impossibility. It's, this, this has been such a crazy tournament. A friend of mine had his baby choose a bracket just by picking toys. Yeah. Like this toy or this toy. I think it's doing better than any bracket I know. Good. <laughs> it's, it's working. This is crazy, crazy. Uh, outside of a 16, like every level is represented. The Midwest... Only has Houston in single-digit seeds left. They're a number two seed. George Rurri's with us. He likes to play the ponies. Well, maybe not the ponies, but he likes to gamble. How many brackets did you fill out, George? Oh, God. Uh, I could have filled out 20, and it wouldn't have mattered. Yep. <laughs> I, I did two this year, and um, let's just say that uh, I quickly pivoted to just betting on the games. <laughs> yeah, it's a good move. Uh in brackets, did you do you have a Final Four team that already got beat? Because I think most people have at least one, oh. if not two. Uh, it's worse than that. Let me tell you how bad it was. Okay, so normally I watch. You know, football's my main thing. Obviously, I watch a good amount of NBA. College basketball is like by osmosis. You kind of get something. I knew nothing about any of these teams, so I'm reading them. I go, Oh, Illinois sounds like a pretty cool team. They've got some <laughs> players outside. They've got a big guy inside. Um, and so I picked them to win it all. I watched like five minutes of them all year. And the worst part is I graduated from Loyola Marymount University in L.A. I, I, I went to a Jesuit school, and I picked them to beat Loyola. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the team I had winning in both my brackets, and they're out. That is uh, That's rough. I think we're all there with yep. Illinois, though. That's a... A terrible start to the tournament, bad weekend, and now we can just enjoy the games without having to worry about our brackets. I think that's the best part of this. Yeah, uh, I've 
quickly pivoted and have, have uh, pivoted my strategy to betting on Pac-12 teams. Okay. So this has been um, this has been a winning strategy, and it's helping me recoup some of the bracket yeah. losses. Um, but that that's the great thing about where we're at now, man. I, I remember, like, you know, just three years ago, maybe, your bracket was done, and you didn't really have much of a recourse. It was harder to bet on the game. Yep. There was less things you could bet on. Um, and the beauty is now, like, there's just so much more for you to keep you involved. It's great. Yeah, for sure. Well, do the Raiders have a winning strategy this offseason? That is a great question. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, I, People like to, and I've had this conversation slash debate or argument with a lot of Patriots fans because everyone wants to hang a banner in New England because they spend a lot of money. And spending a lot of money does not necessarily equate to wins, right? Usually you're spending a lot of money because your team is bad and you you know don't have a lot of good players, and so therefore you're not paying a lot of money and you go out and you spend. And, and that's where the, the Patriots certainly work. The Raiders were in an interesting position because they have a ton of need, and um, obviously on the defensive side of the ball. And I thought they did a nice job. You know, the Yannick Ngakwe signing two years, $26 million, that's 13 mil per year. And you think about where that comes in in relation to the aforementioned Patriots, who paid more money to Matthew Judon, who in, I think, every estimation is a worse player. Um, similarly, compared to Leonard Floyd, I mean, Ngakwe has been a really good pass rusher. His run defense, not great, but I think the pass rushing is certainly something that the Patriots need. It's, it's a pretty good deal. So I like that one. Um, I like the John Brown move as well. One year, basically for free. I mean, $4 million could be five and a half. Um, and he's a guy that sits in, you can put him in so many positions. He can come out wide, he can run a slot, he can run deep, he can run some, some quick stuff. I thought he was integral to the, the Bills um, kind of resurgence offensively. Um, and in comparison to, like, signing Nelson Aguilar for two years and $22 million, uh, you know, it's comical. Like, I'd rather just – I'd rather have John Brown right, <laughs> for, the right. same price, for the same price, much less or you know, millions cheaper. Where I have a problem is this Kenyon Drake signing. I wonder if you guys can help me with this theory. Because paying Kenyon Drake uh, – Fourteen and a half million over two years. Now, even if it only ends up being one year for like six million, makes literally zero sense to me. Especially because he, uh, even if used as a third down back, was a terrible pass catcher. He was such a bad pass catcher that the Arizona Cardinals, who wanted him to be a three down back, couldn't use him as a three down back because Chase Edmonds was so much better. He had a sixty-five receiving grade last year. Um, that's not that's not great. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, it didn't make any sense to me. But here's my theory. My theory is that they may want to package Josh Jacobs to go make a run at, say, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Um, and that, that, that this move might be like, oh, well, we need a stable veteran running back back there. But other than that, I cannot fathom a reason for making that move. So a few positives and one kind of glaring negative. There's a, there's a lot to follow up on there, but I I was actually going to go with the uh, the question about Andre James, who you probably don't even have a whole lot of grades on because I haven't seen him a whole lot out on the field. He's a year away from re- restricted free agency, and today they they give him a you know an extension that seems to indicate they believe in believe in him quite a bit. I don't really understand that theory. Like you have him under control for a year, why not let him play this year? 
That's, yeah, it's a good one. That came across the timeline, and I was like, was this a, was this like a, you know, like a bank error occasionally happens, <laughs> you know, and it's like, hey, congratulations, you know, you're, you're now a millionaire, here's $100,000, it's a complete error. Um, that's what this felt like. I, I, I just don't, um, it, it makes kind of zero sense. It, you know, I, I think there are a few moves that make, that are just like you, you're kind of scratching your head. Um, Solomon Thomas, who has never played well in the NFL, um, you know, for a $5 million deal, Kenyon Drake, James move, all of those feel to me like, um, like wanting to give the secretary or whoever files your contracts work to do. Cause I, I don't understand the reason for doing them otherwise. So where, where do the Raiders need to continue to look as they try to firm up this roster for next year? Uh, what, I mean, we still expect that, that they need to bring in a safety at some point. Uh, what else do they need to do? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I think there are some some moves that can still be made. Dory Jackson obviously just went off the board, but I still think the number one cornerback in in free agency uh, is available, and that's that's Richard Sherman. Um, now, you could potentially look at moving him to safety. I know he and Gus Bradley obviously have a connection, um, and, and maybe that would be a guy with whom he would be willing to make that move. If that's what they're looking for. He he doesn't, you know, generally you're thinking about stage, you're like, well, I need him to get, you know, sideline to sideline. But Sherman is the smartest defensive player in the NFL, in my, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many. And for a team that continuously made boneheaded errors across their coverage unit, that to me is a guy where, look, the biggest need for the Raiders is coverage. It's a massively important facet of play in 2021. And there's a guy out there, Richard Sherman, who is not only going to be a leader uh, off the field, but can still play. Like, this guy is just a year removed from being the highest-graded cornerback in the NFL. He obviously, you know, didn't play a ton last year, in large part because there was no reason for him to with the Niners not being good. But um, that would be a place, I think, coverage is the number one area um, quickly followed by what I would say is a little bit of offense in the the form of pass-catching, which... I know it sounds redundant because they've invested already, but you can't have enough as proven by the two teams in the uh, Super Bowl this year. George Rury, Pro Football Focus, joining us here uh, on the show. I want to go back to your uh, your point about potentially packaging Josh Jacobs for one of the quarterbacks on the market. What what kind of package would it take that would include Jacobs? I would assume Carr as well uh, to make this mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I am of the view that um, the NFL teams view running backs, or at least some NFL teams view running backs more favorably than the numbers would. And so, you know, when I think of Josh Jacobs, I love Josh Jacobs, personally. I, I, he's phenomenally fun to watch. He breaks a ton of missed tackles. He plays the right way. He's great. I love Josh Jacobs. But, he, you know, he is going to be overvalued by teams that think, you know, running back has more control over the outcome of games than they um, mathematically are proven out to do. So I think if you package Josh Jacobs with, with, you know, people would see him or meet the Seahawks who want to go to a run-heavy game might see him as a real asset. And and they would say, look, this is an opportunity if we get maybe three first-round picks in addition to rebuild this team and create a really deep and powerful run game with another great defense because we can use those picks to stock up on them. And Derek Carr, 
maybe they don't feel that Derek Carr is that big of a drop-off from Russell Wilson. You know, I think the Seahawks probably think Russell Wilson is not quite as elite as, as the numbers would say he is. And so to me, that's where the deal starts. Uh, and maybe you have to throw in another second or something like that. But, but I don't think uh, that the Seahawks would turn that down immediately. George, what are the Broncos doing? Uh, they just got Kyle Fuller, awesome signing. Their defense is going to be really, really, really good. Who's playing quarterback? Maybe me. You know, I don't know. I might uh, <laughs> loosen up the arm a little bit. And, you know, I'd love to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, I might give it a shot. I, I think the Broncos, because I was looking at the odds here. So it, yesterday afternoon we were recording uh, the PFF forecast, my podcast with the esteemed Dr. Eric Eager. Um, uh, looking at the odds, and the Broncos are still 14-1. to 1. The Broncos have as good of a team quarterback excluded as I think just about anyone out there. I mean, the Kyle Fuller signing is just literally stealing, um, you know, and, and the Bears ineptitude made that possible. Vic Fangio is a phenomenal schemer of defense. He's going to get the best out of that group. They have so many weapons on offense. They have good, uh, pretty decent offensive line. Like, you just need a quarterback, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to invest in one. I, to be honest with you, I would have been impressed if they'd gone out and got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right? That would have been a massive jump. Uh, you could make the argument that Drew Locke and whoever else is currently in that uh, quarterback room comprises of the worst quarterbacking situation in the NFL, and that's an NFL that includes the Chicago Bears. So, um, uh, yeah, man, if they, I love betting them at 14-1 to 1 because, like, if they happen upon a quarterback that's decent, they could, you know, they could be really, really good this year and, you never know. Maybe they happen across, you know, Mac Jones or Trey Lance, and they have a good rookie season. I think they could legitimately, you know, if the Chiefs have any regression anywhere, Mahomes is injured for a couple games. Like they're a good enough team all around to make good quarterback play look really good for a season and win that division. Go to Pro Football Focus. It's PFF.com. You can also hear the podcast as George referenced. PFF forecast. What did you guys come up with in the NFC South and? specifically with the Saints. I was talking to a Saints expert last week, and I, when I was talking to my undershot, my guess, I was saying like 8.5. Will it be 9.5 or 9? It's not going to be 10 or 10.5, right, for the total? I think it was 10.5 last year, Correct. if my feet don't fail me now. And um, that, uh, that, that's way too high. I said 8. Uh, Eric said 7.5. So if it comes in at 9.5, I will be um, similarly to my, you know, backing up the Brinks truck for the Atlanta Falcons if they're a really low number. I will be taking the Saints under at nine and a half. Certainly, I, I, so here's the thing: the quarterback turnover isn't even really the biggest of my issues. Like I think Jameis Winston is an underrated player of quarterback who's never had a good situation. I think Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds out there, but they are thin on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and then who? And it's been proven here that you can't just have one good option at receiver. You know, that, that and and Michael Thomas is good. He's not elite, in, in my opinion, in terms of, like, say, having Devontae Adams and then no one else. So um, there's a lot of question marks. They have so many players that are paying a ton of money who are kind of, you know, not necessarily as elite as they used to be. And so I think they have a lot of issues that they're going to have to patch up um, if Jameis Winston's going to take them to a nine-win uh, 
uh, season. So I see them regressing a bit. I, I think eight, eight and a half would be more in line with what I'm looking at. Wow. All right. George, we appreciate it. Good conversation today. PFF.com is uh, where you go, and there's uh, generally a special up there almost uh, all the time. Oh, yeah. Baby, we've uh, got for... one for you right now. Yeah, what do you free got? Agency 30, free agency 30, 30% off, and it was supposed to be the last day of the sale today, you know, free agency waiting down. But I, I, I banged on the door. I said, no, we got to give them one more day. So it expires tomorrow. Uh, you have one more day, 30% off. PFF NFL draft guide, the draft's four weeks away. It's, it, you have to go get one. So go make it happen at PFF.com. Yeah. All right, George. We'll see you. Thanks, guys. There he is, George Rory from PFF.com. Um, yeah, when I talked to Mike Triplett last week, we were doing our path to the draft and doing the Saints preview, and I was just kind of, in my head, I'm, I'm spitballing. I'm like, I don't know, eight and a half. And, and he sounded like he was, like, blown away. Like, no, they're going to be good. And he even said, he prefaced by saying, you know, generally local beat writers are going to be higher on the team. Sure. And and we'll fire over on the total. But Eric said seven and a half. Eric Eager? Yeah. I, I mean, seven and a half. They're going to drop down that much. I think I've got Breeze, but he explained it. They, their their offseason has been ridiculous. They yeah. were so highly leveraged to get everything done, you know, in terms of winning last year that, like, they were going to have to pay at some point. They've done nothing. This offseason, except cut guys, yeah, it, and it's, restructure. It's like what we talk about. You know, Although they got they brought Williams back, but beyond that, like they've been able to do Zippo. Yeah, it's like what we talk about it when you know you can make things work under the cap. Like you can <laughs> yeah. fight and claw and scrap and 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 add guys and you know make it so that it looks like there's no way you can afford all the guys that you have. But at some point, you're going to have to pay the price. So what they essentially did was kick the can down the road a couple of times, knowing that their window was closing, and now. Uh, they're in trouble, and it's not just Breeze, as you said. It's, it's guys all around the place. There's so many, so many players that were, um, you know, that were kind of casualties of that. They've lost a lot of depth more than anything else. And there's just they lost, you know, a guy here, a guy there, a guy there. But it adds up to you're losing guys at all levels on offense and defense, and it's going to be really hard to replace all those guys. And now you're putting a quarterback into a situation where he doesn't have that elite talent around him. Uh, he's got to try to do a lot of things himself in James Winston. We'll see what he's able to do. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. On cue. Oh, oh, again. Ace miss. Cannot miss. From downtown. Woo. Dazzling. I mispronounced his name. At first. Oh, I think and I everybody does. I apologize. Everybody's man. trying to figure it out. I apologize. Is Nelly here, by the way? I believe you just quoted Nelly. It is getting hot in here. <laughs> That's good. I like that, Bird. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. One of the big stories of the tournament as we're uh, tracking Ohio and Creighton. Creighton up 15 on Ohio. UCLA blowing out Abilene Christian. We expect that more competitive games coming up on the way back you heard oral roberts that was game one with ace miss going freaking crazy but yeah you've had a 15 seed advance into the sweet 16 you know if a a pr and marketing expert were giving this show advice the advice would be if you book someone get to them on time well god we're late god (laughs) we're late with dj allen but it's a big day i wanted to get dj on how you doing buddy Oh, I'm great. You're, you're playing me in with it's getting hot in here. It feels like a home game. I'm feeling yeah, good right. about myself right now. <laughs> all right, all right. So you got to give me your reaction uh, first before we really kind of delve into the uh, the hire of Kevin Kruger. Give me your reaction. 
No, if I was sitting in that AD chair, that's the move I'd make. I mean, obviously, I'm. Listen, I, I've known I've known him for 15 years, very close to the family. But when it comes down to it, can the guy get the job done? That's the direction to go. I mean, this is this is someone who absolutely loves UNLV. You know what's funny is he talked about being his dream job. I heard him first say that eight years ago. And we had a conversation when he was getting into coaching, and I remember him saying that. It kind of shocked me when he said it. Um, but he loves this place, and this isn't something that he's just saying at a press conference. You know, there's two things. Our, our first conversation when he was retiring from playing and getting into coaching that shocked me. Number one, he said, UNLV is my dream job. And then number two was, listen, because my last name is Kruger, I'm going to probably have a shot one day to be a head coach. But when that shot comes, I'm going to be ready. And, and you know, just having that mentality, I'm, I'm excited for him. It's, it's, it's a great day, I think, for UNLV and for Vegas. So why is he ready right now? Well, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of, like, he was raised to do this. I mean, we, we talk about a, a coach's son. But there's really two things. There's number one, are you ready to be a head coach? And then the other thing is, are you ready to be a head coach at UNLV? I think UNLV comes with so many unique variables. We understand how much this town loves this program. We understand that the expectations, quite candidly, as we know, can be out of whack. And that comes with a lot of pressure. And Kevin's not walking in blind to what's going on with Las Vegas. And he's not walking in blind to the running rubber program. And, you know, that, that's the great thing about that passion. Listen, it's easy to say at a press conference, this is my dream job, this is where I want to be. But when that aligns, um, it can be something very, very special. And this is a guy who, who knows the industry, understands it. And obviously, anytime you have a first-time head coach, but, you know, if, 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 if you understand that you've been around that environment your entire life and you know what comes with the job, not just what's going on on the court. You know, there's the old saying, like, you know, a head coach has to deal with five surprises every day. Well, Kevin's only been around that his whole life. So that's why it's exciting. I mean, when you combine, you know, talent and you combine passion, it, it could be special. DJ Allen's with us in Cofield and Company as we talk about the hire of Kevin Kruger as a new head coach of UNLV basketball. Have the challenges changed? Uh, over the years, I mean, I, I guess I would most easily point to the emergence of major league sports in the market. There's a lot more to compete for in terms of ticket dollars when you're going against the Raiders and the Knights. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you think back to, you know, the the run at the end of the, the Kruger era, at the at beginning of, of Dave Rice and, and what the attendance was doing. It was number one in the West Coast, averaging over 15,000 people a game. There's absolutely more competition now i mean the golden knights have done amazing things what the raiders are doing even the aviators um but at the same time it's a different market i mean it is a different price point that you can go to a running rebel basketball game and that's something that you know when, when it takes off you know it's so special you know at its core las vegas is a running rebel town and and it's great when it's happening i mean i know kevin mentioned that in the press conference today that Thomas and Mac, I mean, when that place is rocking, it's a special venue. It's not easy to do. Let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't just happen. Um, but at its core, Las Vegas is a running rebel town. Well, I think you nailed it earlier about challenges of the job, and I think that that is one of the big challenges is kind of resurrecting things, making the pitch to the fans, building a product that's up and down the floor and, and not conservative. And I, I don't want you to sit here and you know go after the last couple of coaches, but I think there's been more than a few football and basketball coaches who kind of don't understand uh, that 
there's a sleeping giant there, but you, you got to kind of you got to give it the bait to come out. Uh, I think we've had people come in here and they're like, well, it's UNLV. I mean, it's a brand name. Of course, people are going to come out. This is a very fickle town, DJ. Very fickle. It, it, it is. When that place was filled, I, people don't understand how hard it was to do. And, you know, we used to tell people, like, be careful, too, because it can go quickly. Yep. It's hard to do. Um, but I think Kevin knew that side, too. He saw everything that went into that. You know, he saw all the hours, um, all the time that, <clears throat> that, that his dad was putting into the community to make sure that that happens. He understands what has to go on with that. You know, at the same time, the great thing about Kevin is that dude's a competitor. He's got some dog in him. I mean, we saw that on the court, you know, with the Sweet 16 run. And, and to win at that level, um, you have to have that dog in you. You know, and, and he gets what goes on. He understands when, when you take over, not only do you have to, you know, get dudes who can put the orange thing in the orange thing, you know, not only are you going to graduate guys, not only are you going to do everything on the court and in the program, but you got to get out in the community. It doesn't just happen. And that's all he's ever seen. And that's the part where I say a lot of people jump into that role and, you know, they move over 18 inches from the assistant coach chair to the head coach chair. And they don't understand that. I mean, the amount of calls and texts you get right now from people wanting jobs in the industry, from people just trying to reach out, is overwhelming. And for a lot of people, they don't expect that. Someone like Kevin understands what's coming with it. Someone like Kevin understands, hey, I have a young family, and I'm going to have to balance that, but i got to be out there in the community, and we're going to involve my family so they can be out in the community. And that's the part I think is really gets missed um, with, with a lot of, of, of coaches, and again, a lot of coaches at UNLV. So that's the part where he's prepared for uniquely more than anyone else, more than, than, than almost any other veteran coach. DJ Allen's with us, long-time uh, relationship with the Kruger family. Um, someone walks up to you, right, and maybe they don't know how tight you are with the Krugers, and they say to you, I mean, come on, Kevin Kruger is getting the job because of his dad. He's not a big name. How is this going to work? Because people want a big name. So what do you say to him? Well, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, we remember it in year two when Lon was here. Oh, he wasn't the right hire for the job. And what happens in our world today, especially with social media, is people like to have an opinion. Once they put it out there, then, you know, if, if they say he's not the right pick, I don't care who this is. This doesn't just happen at UNLV. This is our world today. If you say something, someone with your team isn't the right choice, you almost end up rooting against that person, right? And, and that's what's sad. Like, you got to be in alignment. you got to get behind it. And, you know, people said that you can, you can question any type of hiring at all. You can question that. But when it comes to Las Vegas, you know, what have we always said? Hey, you know, we, we want our own. we got to take care of our own. Well, you got someone who's uniquely your own. You know, and if any type of, of hiring, there is risk. You know, if you go out and you get a big-name coach, well, is he just mailing it in? You know, there's risk in that. There's risk in going out and get a guy who's, up and coming from a smaller program. Well, can he do it at this program? There's risk in any hire at all. Is there a risk in going in a first-year head coach? Yeah. Well, or excuse me, a first-time head coach? Yeah, but alleviate that. Like, like, think about this. Kevin, I think, was born down in Texas when Lon was a head coach. I mean, that's all he's ever known was the life of a head coach. So is there risk? Oh, absolutely. There's no guarantee when someone is hired that they're going to win. But it's really minimalized just because of the environment that he's been in. 
Do you think Lon was more nervous today for a tournament game or will, <laughs> that he will be watching uh, Kevin's hey, first game? Hey, Adam, you, you know him, right? <laughs> I mean, um, listen, listen. And, you know, I have, I have kids. Like, there's no – like, if you're, if you're involved with something – you can control it. I remember talking to, 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 to Lon earlier this year with, with one of the games the Rebels held on to, and, and, and Lon was watching it. He was like, man, I, was, I couldn't control myself. He was like, I could control myself more on the sidelines with my games than you know, watching a game that Kevin's involved with. So, Adam, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, we talked, you know, we, we've been talking about what it's going to take to bring UNLV basketball back, not only the wins, but also the fans and everything else. Um, as much, you know, as much as we all have known and love Kevin, like there is, there is that concern that I've heard some people express, like he's not that get out in the community, rah, rah guy. I mean, he's going to be out there, but is he going to be that, you know, that, that guy that can just get people fired up by more than just winning? Can, can he be that guy? You know, at, I, I, I had that question early on with a couple of, of even the assistants with, um, with, with Coach Kruger, and that's why I've learned. You saw it with Steve Henson and down at UTSA, and then Lou Hill, who, you know, a good friend of, of, of many of ours who passed away just a couple months ago and the success he was having at, at, at Rio Grande Valley. Um, here's what people in that don't see, and they're going to see about Kevin. When you're an assistant coach and, and you're uh, doing it the right way, you know your role. You, you, don't go, you don't go shine. Your job isn't to go out there and shine. And I think that's actually something that many times people question maybe a Steve Henson. I, I've had many conversations with him about that. And then all of a sudden he became the head ball coach. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> and Because they play that role. No, hey, I'm the assistant coach. That's not my job. And no one is a better lieutenant than Kevin, right? So you're not going to go out there and try to outshine well, all of a sudden, it's like, listen, you've been a head coach. Now people are finally going to see that. So I think people are going to be surprised when they see him in public. They're going to be surprised to see that passion. They're going to be surprised to see um, you know, how he's out there in the public. And I think a lot of times we do that with some of these assistants just because you think about it, the best assistant coaches, that's not their job. So a lot of times we don't see them in that setting. So I think people are going to be surprised when they see just how much passion and fire he has. And at the end of the day, I mean, he's going to be himself. Um, he's different than Coach. He's got a lot in, in, in common with him, but he's different. Um, but, it, Adam, I, I, think, I think, you know, it's easy for people to question that, and I would have done that in the past. But after you see and you know and you see the other sides of him, it's like, no, it's there. I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Coach Hill, uh, not to, you know, bring it down, but, you know, he, we lost him not too long ago just uh, – your thoughts on kind of reflecting on, on Coach and, and what he meant to not only Las Vegas, but the college basketball world and everybody around him. You know, he was, uh, you know, just, just, just this, as you can imagine, this hiring and, and the Kruger family has been so important to us, but it's really the people we've met through them. And, and to lose Coach Hill, um, and I had a chance to go down and work with his team, you know, a couple years ago and, and stay in contact with him. And he was just, he was one of those guys who you never heard anyone say anything bad about. Right, and and it was so fun to see him go down to a program that's at the very tip of Texas, you know, and have, have, have little tradition, and and start winning with it. And people just loved him. You know, it's all about peace and love. And and you know, he he was struggling. He kind of kept that from some people. And and for us to lose him, he's just he was such a good man. And um, you know, it's family. It's, it's family when you do this. And I know that impacted. Uh, the Krugers that impacted all those who were involved with 
with UNLV basketball back in the day, but all throughout the basketball industry, because you guys know him. He's just a good, good person. DJ Allen's with us. Um, you know, we've lost a lot of time here the last year, which means uh, lost opportunities like coaches versus cancer. I know you guys have tried to keep things going, but as we ramp things up here and we're getting a little more open, uh, what's coming up this summer and then into the fall with coaches versus cancer? You know, we were able to in August, you know, and kind of did it without a whole lot of fanfare. Couldn't have the parties, but we were able to still raise almost a million dollars for coaches versus cancer. Um, you know, people chose to come out. It wasn't as many people. and and But this May, we're getting back to the big Las Vegas Golf Classic um, with, with MGM Resorts. is such a big part of that, Sanford Health. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have, you know, a lot of coaches. You know, we're looking at that right now. Uh, you know, all the coaches in the tournament who are coming out to that. Um, but we're going to have that in May again. And what is that going to be our 14th year that we're doing that? And Long Kruger started that 14 years ago. We usually have about 20 to 25 coaches. I think something like we had, I think, 12 coaches in the NCAA tournament who are going to come out to that event. It's grown into the biggest event in, in coaches versus cancer in the nation. So it's going to be fun in May to have that happen again. You know, obviously it's going to be a little bit different than years past, but uh, Vegas has just become a mecca of basketball. And Coaches versus Cancer has, has used Vegas to, to their benefits. That's been fun. And, of course, that's been a big part of keeping the relationship with the Krugers. And, and they love Vegas. They love Las Vegas. And, and Kevin loves Vegas. So it's just been fun that even though Lon's been away for 10 years now, and Kevin's back, been back just this too, they, they've really never left town. TJ, how hard is it to put together these tournaments? I heard uh, Willie Ramirez, who's with the AP, he was suggesting a uh, Patino Kruger tournament. Uh, <laughs> right? you know, where, yeah, I, mean, I think it's actually kind of a cool idea. I wonder if oh. they could actually put it together with, you know, Iona and New Mexico and, and UNLV in Oklahoma. Yeah, you know what? I, I, you know, I got when the phone started blowing up yesterday. It was actually, you know, that was that was mentioned by a promoter. You know, it, it's it's it it. It's not that it can't happen. You know, a lot of that is TV-driven, and obviously all that really becomes the calendars with the different teams. So, you know, stuff like that is so interesting. It's, you know, not saying it's, it's uh, not going to happen, but it can be on short notice like this. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can set those things up a couple years in advance. Uh, but, yeah, you never know. And it has to be where, where you know, people want to do it because some people might look at that and say, man, what a great opportunity. Uh, but I do know this, long coached against Kevin in the NIT when Long was at UNLV and Kevin was at ASU. And, you know, I think that was, that was just, as you talked about that before, about how hard that was, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to coach against your son. But it might be a little bit different when it's coach versus coach, you know, versus coach versus player. Sure. DJ, anything else you got to get out there? We're, uh, we good to go? Oh. No, not at all. I just, you know, I'm just excited for UNLV. Yep. And I'm just, this is a running rebel town at its core and, and, you know, we can, we can all want different people, and we can all – there's not one fix, right? You can fix it a lot of different ways, but whoever that coach becomes – and I said this when Marvin was hired or TJ was hired. Like, we got to get behind them. And this one's unique. This one's unique. So, so if everybody gets aligned and gets behind, that's the way you win. You know, college basketball wins when a community is behind it. And that's what happened from 07 to 13. The community was behind it. And it's the one sport where when a community gets behind it, it can have an impact. And I just hope we do that because this is a running rebel town. You're awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. There he is. DJ Allen was working with the program with Lon, essentially uh, another PR guy with you know his firm and his expertise. And it, and it blew up. He's right. 
Um, going into the race here after Kruger left, UNLV made six of seven NCAA tournaments, and you know, two years into the race here, their attendance was still over like fourteen thousand a game. So they built it up. You know, it was wasn't great when Lon first got here, but he he did a hell of a job. All right, we got some breaking news. We think about the Indiana job, <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll get to that, and we'll get you some more scores here. Michigan and LSU has just tipped off. Uh, Abilene Christian, well, it's not going to work out for him. 14 seed is down 22 with 90 seconds left. UCLA up 65-43.